0: Running's awesome. I have no beef with running, but if you're a multimodal athlete, running takes a lot out of you. And so I think the rower is probably the way to go. And also, like, you get the bilateral extension, then you get a little pause. So your breathing cadence sort of learns to adapt to, like, the harmonic motion of the rower, which is the same pattern of, like, wall balls, thrusters, overhead squats, toes to bar, right? back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Whereas the bike, again, I love the bike. I spent half my life on the bike, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick the rower for those reasons.
1: This is the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Our goal is to energize and entertain fitness enthusiasts. By sharing insights from experts in the health and wellness community. From physical therapy perspectives to interviews with professional athletes, special operators, nutritionists, and coaches. We want to help you be your best self. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness. Welcome
2: back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Goren and Rob
1: Rowland. What's up, guys? I just got the madness, man. been watching basketball a lot this weekend. Nikki, you've opted not to watch basketball and to watch wrestling based on uh, the furious texts of last night.
2: Yeah, definitely watch the NCAA championship. Always watch that. Very fun. I mean, this basketball. I can't make sense of it. I don't know any of the players. The teams are fairly random. It, you know, It's very fun, but at the same time, it's like, I don't watch it all year. What the fuck does it matter? What's up, Rob?
3: Two questions. Is basketball the stream of the week? And two, has Nick moved from our group text to this other text? Because he's super quiet over the last couple of weeks in our group text.
1: He's been quiet. He's Like I said, we're losing him. To, he's not on social media. He's barely on text anymore. God only knows where his head is. Um, the stream of the week is actually, i believe it or not, I have something else besides basketball. Oh, no, do not tell us yet. I won't tell you. It's a you. cliffhanger. All right, it's a cliffhanger. But it is something else besides basketball. It's a show a lot of people are talking about. And old Dan has got to chime in with his take. All
2: right. Well, I can't wait to hear about it because we don't know this one yet. Uh, anything good in the gym,
1: gentlemen, this week? Anything fun? Hit the Man You run at the track today. Finally got in the round of 15, hit the 15 or the first 15. So if you guys are familiar, you can look up the Man United training run. So it's a series of 100-meter sprints set on an every-minute-on-the-minute clock. And it's downward, downward, downward. So it ends a 15-second sprint, 45-second retreat. He had it hit that three times. I hit it once. I've never done that before. So that was pretty cool. And it is hundred yards, not hundred meters. So that definitely makes a difference too. So it's tough to tell if I'm getting better or I just did the actual workout, the way it was <laughs> intended, but definitely better than the last time I went for it. So that was fun. What about you, Rob? What are you doing in the gym?
3: Well, this week started out pretty solid. You know, I took a week off after the Goggins four by four Achilles, like still swells at the end of the day, but I can get through a workout. Like I can squat on a 10 pound plate. If I don't go rock bottom, it feels fine. So, by Friday, I was moving some decent weight again. I was pretty amped up to hit it this week since it's like spring break. Schedule's a little bit lighter, but added a new injury to the catalog. <laughs> TBD how how bad this is going to be. Yeah, I, I I tweaked the hammy pretty good on a pretty dramatic shopping cart injury.
2: Can you so please did... give us details? Yeah, we need the
3: deets. All right. So first of all, I love riding the shopping cart. I've done that ever since I was a kid, and. Now, Jackson loves when I, I ride the shopping cart to the parking lot, he gets a kick out of it. So, you know, every time I'm coming out of the grocery store, we go full speed, riding into the parking lot. And I was wearing my ON shoes. I don't know if you guys have these. These are Mara's right here. But see these little, like, spaces between the cushions? I had that on the cart. So when I went to put my left foot down, right foot was on the cart, and it did not come off the cart. So it just ripped my right leg forward, cart flips backwards, pulls my leg under and felt the hamstring just pop. I don't know how many times it popped because the adrenaline just like took over to make sure like I didn't flip Jack out of the cart and kill myself. So I just unloaded the groceries and sat in my car and my leg was throbbing the whole way home. And like yesterday, I've I've never, I've popped my hamstring a few times, like running, never anything like this. Tomorrow into Tuesday, I'll have a good idea of like how bad it is, but I'm sitting, I've been sitting on my left side this whole podcast because sitting on my right side is just painful.
2: any discoloration, anything like that?
3: No bruising that I've seen yet. I, I typically don't bruise up too much, but it's just super, super tech. How
1: yeah, – I got I to gotta hear this because how unsympathetic slash piss was Mara that, that you lost control of that shopping cart? And then I got to talk about the shoes.
3: She was just happy I didn't yeah. kill myself for yeah, jack. Yeah. Dude, but, you're uh,
1: lucky you didn't hurt your kid. Good. That's <laughs>
3: terrifying.
1: And then I've, I've seen these shoes and they look kind of gimmicky. And I, I I was just surprised that that would be part of your repertoire and that you really paid the, the ultimate price there.
3: Well, I like the shoes because they have the elastic laces they're slip on. Roger Federer endorses them. I'm I'm all for anything Federer does. Are those so. your running shoes? Oh yeah.
2: No, oh, that's why your fucking Achilles blew up. <laughs> now I know. Now you know. Jeez, and
1: you give a shit about our shoe choice all the time. And you give a shit about our shoe choice. And also you're Mr. Barefoot too. So, like, why were you why were you wearing shoes in the first place? You should have just been you know in your in your vivo barefoots.
3: Well, if it was a, if I wasn't running at four in the morning when it was pitch black outside, maybe I would be barefoot.
1: <laughs> uh, I, we're we're laughing at you, but that that really sucks. That's a that's a brutal injury. Glad Jackson's okay. Yeah. Not even a scratch
2: on the little man.
3: Not even a scratch. He was he came down on top of me. So,
2: oh it's man, a, that that was stressing me out when when I was reading those texts. I was like, oh shit.
3: Did so you saw the shoe on the the leg that didn't get caught into the cart? It ripped the shoelaces straight off of it. So there was some. Some force on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what was your other, like, position? Were you, like, working your way to a split and then it came back? Or, like, was the other, like, kind of planted in a more neutral position?
3: So, right leg went out, left leg kind of folded underneath into, like, mm-hmm. a child's pose position and slid kind of like like that.
1: That's like just some just, Jean-Claude Van Damme blood shit, right?
3: <laughs> ripped me apart like a wishbone, dude. <sighs> oh,
2: mm. Well, hopefully – Hopefully it's not that bad. And by the midweek, you're like, well, I dodged it, but it sounds like, you know, your body well enough to know that this could be a lingering one just as the Achilles is getting better. So
1: here's a quick question, Rob, when will you put needles in that bitch? Like, like how long do you needle that thing on um, acute mid belly hamstring strain? I don't have as much experience with needle. I'm curious.
3: I will not do anything acute on it. If it gets to that point where it's just like not progressing as it should, and it feels like I need something to like kind of get me over the hump, then I'll do it. But I, I don't think there's any benefit doing the acute phase.
1: Yeah, Interesting. Like I said, I just don't have a ton of experience with the needling, but don't know where you hit that.
3: Just just rocking these guys for a while, getting on the blood flow restriction. Dude, did some biking with it tonight just to get some blood flow going in there.
1: I'm right there with you,
2: Hoss. It's a blast. Mm. Sons of bitches. All right. Hey, Dan, tee up our guest, man. Matt Webke, our our boy. Heck, we didn't talk about your workouts. My workouts
1: were <laughs> fine this week. Nothing. you doing crazy. doing 225 pound thrusters or something ludicrous. <laughs> like, give us something.
2: No, I didn't do anything crazy this week. It was a week after the open, and I kind of, yeah, I did some lifts. Uh, nothing special. Getting right back in. I guess I mentioned it to WebKey in our, in our interview. It's interesting that hard work pays off is now its own app. So this has kind of been a clusterfuck where they were Fraser was basically moonlighting his programming on hybrid strengths interface. So they've been moving off of that. So it's kind of weird because they're they're very good at if you've paid, we're gonna make sure you get all the programming before and they backdated and everything. So there's no offset. But the programming is a little fucked up because now I'm back to like day 113 when I was really at day 140. So I'm trying to match up the app. So I'm doing a lot of repeat work but this week was more just kind of get moving after the open and you know it's it's get ready for quarters in the end of april for old people so we'll see i see our boy tetlow by the way got first in the world in the last crossfit open 22.3 if you want to see it online he's got a youtube video like four minutes and seven seconds or something stupid just
1: incredible when that workout came out, I was like, this is tell all day. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that if the stuff lines up for him, I think the last year that one rep max snatch really kind of screwed him, but the stuff lines up for him, man. He's such a monster. I don't know. And I think that Tia had a 4.07 and then hers was her official time was like 4.11. I think there was some, so I think he had the literal fastest time in the world, man or woman. It's pretty fucking nuts. He's so good at the open. It's
2: great. And dude, that other uh, short guy, Colton Mertens is there too. The hindrance for him is is the top line strength and like the really weird randomness of the games. but the open like I'm putting my money on him to finish top ten as long
1: as he wants to like he is that good. yeah, if you watch it i mean i would I would say everyone watch that video of, of Tetla doing that. there's literally no stops. Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe he like missed the handle of his jump rope like one time, but I mean he just fucking flies and and at those weights and those movements it's fucking truly insane. it's crazy all right now tee up our guy he, he was good glad he came back yeah the year of the engine um this is his, uh, one of his main programs that Rob has been doing but he is Matt Webke of the Gains Lab you can check his website out the Gains Lab and he is on Instagram at the Gains Lab the number one so Matt Webke an experienced crossfitter in his own right pretty badass on the strength and conditioning perspective and a hell of a coach so hope you guys enjoy Webkey.
2: Whoop and the strategy of fitness, it has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Check out the link in our Instagram bio, get $30 off your first month subscription, get the brand new 4.0 and start this year off right. Track your sleep, track your recovery, track your daily strain. There's no better tech to wear every single day and hold you accountable. Of course, this podcast is your weekly accountability buddy, but there's nothing better on the market than Whoop. Check it out. Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, Matt Webkey, founder of the Games Lab. What's going on, man? I'm good, man.
0: I've, uh, this weekend, been spending most of it watching the basketball tournament, so uh, it's nice to get away from that. My bracket went down in flames about four hours into the tournament, but uh, oh, it's a nightmare,
2: absolute yeah. nightmare. I saw like after the first wave of games, it was under two percent perfect bracket, so yeah. it's yeah. always wacky, but this year was even crazy. Yeah, yeah. who do you <laughs> like? You yeah. got
0: a team? I mean, I pick Gonzaga to win it, but I have no like loyalty to that, you know, they're out in Washington, I'm in Florida, I, I, you know, like, other than John Stockton, I never heard of anybody going there, and I I was a basketball fan, you know, and like, so I I picked them to win it, but other than that, not really, I mean, I'm a Florida State guy, they're nowhere near the tournament this year, so, you know,
2: good, that's it, cool, well, what's new, man, it's been at least two years, I think, since we've chatted, Uh, we've got Rob, who's done your program, we'll get into that, I'm sure, but what's new anything groundbreaking on your end or just staying steady no um maybe
0: a little bit of both we have stayed steady which i'm I'm very grateful for because i know things can get hot and they can get cold real fast in this business so i've stayed steady as far as like newer stuff i've extended the 12-month year the engine program out to a 36-month program we have actually had a number of people do that that's a level of a commitment that (laughs) i'm not sure i could make it if i didn't Test it out myself, right? And I did that because I, I got a lot of feedback like, hey, this is really great. Like, what else you got? I was like, it's been a year, man. What else do you want? Like, that's a lot. But I, I, I took some time to do some research and study like some of the physiological properties of uh, muscle fibers and really get in depth with some cellular process stuff and push it out to three years. There's nothing magical about the three years. It was just like, I'm going to keep making new stuff until there's nothing else to do. So I I can say with some confidence that like, if one were to do all 36 months, their engine would be optimized for just about anything in the sport of fitness and probably for like mixed martial arts as well, because there's a lot of overlap there as far as what the sports need. So that's new. And the other new thing I'm trying to do, which is a very much an uphill battle is to try to build in some data analytics capabilities within the program. Because if you think about like the core CrossFit ideal of constantly varied, That's cool. and makes people keep coming back to the gym, makes the workouts fun. You can do, if you're a competitor, multiple Metcons in one day, but it gets hard to track that shit. So it's like, all right, my friend time got better. Well, why, you know, like, am I stronger? Am I fitter? Am I better at pull-ups? My Diane time went down. Like, what does all that mean? So then, you know, a lot of coaches will go to like, well, what's your 5k row? Is that getting better? So it's we're trying to build in more analytical capabilities to try to help athletes see with some, precision what they're getting better at. So that's been fun. I have a bit of a math and statistics background. So I have a little, like, I think I know just enough to be dangerous there. We're starting to make a little progress on that. So that takes up most of my time. And then, you know, the one-on-one coaching with my athletes, that's basically like 18 hours of every day.
1: I love that you're doing the data the analytics for specific workouts. Have you gotten to a point where you can maybe think of like, it seems to me, I, I've thought about this myself, strategically narrowing that down to maybe 10 to 15, maybe even 20 major components. Let's say you have Fran, let's say you have a 2K row, 400 meter run, so you know, it's, a 5K it's, row. You know, it's what a, what it's are your it's thoughts there? That's a good there?
0: question. And, and the answer is like, sort of, on the conditioning side with like the year of the engine, which is now the three years of the engine, not a great tagline, but that's what it is we started breaking everything down to like your pace per minute, whether it's calories or meters or, or, you know, what are you doing per minute? And then that allows us to compare like a high intensity interval day with a long, slow, you know, endurance day with, with a time trial day, like, and the ratios among the different day types actually are really interesting and gives us some insight into like, if you have a fast twitch bias for slow. So with that, we've done pace per minute. The only thing is like, it sort of limits you to calories or meters because something like watts per minute, watt is already a rate of like power flow. So it's like watts per minute, per minute, or like joules per minute, per minute It doesn't make sense. But like we do that as far as the other stuff, it's kind of a continuum. Like, well, let's just measure, you know, your weightlifting total and your strength total, like those five numbers. Well, that's like one end. The other end is like, let's measure every single thing. So there's sort of a push pull, like what can we do that's more than a super total and less than like tracking every workout in a notebook this thick. And um, we sort of try to focus on things we know we can reliably measure. Like if you do an off the clock set of pull-ups, do you do 20 unbroken? Like what's the point where you start to break? And like, what's the point where that pace slows down? We don't really get into the individual workouts too much because from a measurement standpoint, they're so complex like trying to relate the result in something like Jackie, you know, like rowing pull-ups and, and uh thrusters with something like Diane, it's like, there's a couple of core common ideas, like stronger is better, longer sets of the skills is better, but there isn't that much you can drill down on to get like, you know, like a magical, um you know, metric that applies everywhere. It's a constant push-pull. And really what we're trying to do is give something to an individual athlete that they can kind of Look at their own performance. Go okay, I'm getting better here, here, and here, but not here. And we we sort of like philosophically look at it as like everybody's doing a group program, but why don't we try to do a program that's like your program for you rather than following the group? So there's a lot of push pull. We don't have a a great answer yet, but it's an ongoing process.
3: Matt, I love the the data stuff. I nerd out on it quite a bit. Yeah, we're trying. Uh, I, I, it's hard on the performance side with just the variability cross CrossFit. What about like yeah. non-performance standards, like? Is there an optimal body fat you look at or the recommendation you make there? Wrestling heart rate, heart rate recovery. Like we know 100 meter sprinters, it's usually the leanest guy is going to win the yeah. race. So is there a correlation with that in, in fitness or is it too too variable?
0: Well, I'm sure there is a correlation, but it's hard for us to get at that data because a lot of our athletes are um, remote. So it's like, you know, if I actually like physically had people who would come in every day and I could weigh them and, and tape them and, and, you know, put the calipers on them and all that, it would be easier. Some of the stuff I think, you know, we'll all kind of understand intuitively, like power to weight ratio is huge. So like the higher your, your, your super total is as a multiple of your body weight, the better you're going to do. And that kind of makes sense. Like if you weigh 250 and you snatch 350, you're still kind of a big dude. And it doesn't really matter how strong you are when your, your body weight gets that high, you know, whereas if you weigh 175 and you snatch 325, that's a monster. So that stuff's kind of obvious. You you can watch somebody with a barbell and figure out like, yeah, they're going to be good. But it's it's hard to get the level of precision you're after. I wish we had it. You know, I wish we could like measure people's femurs and torsos and forearms, but we're not, we don't have access to that data. If we did, I'm sure we'd find some interesting correlations, but it's, that's kind of the problem is like with a remote population, it's hard to get to that level of granularity.
3: And then breaking down some of the stuff you can get granular with with, with your remote clients. Are you recommended they're they're working on concept too, just because the data there is is so voluminous and and reliable? Like, is that kind of what you're looking at if we give a sneak peek into your your data tracking?
0: If they have it, yeah, for sure. But we're at the point where like, if you can measure something like on a bike or skier or a rower, and if it has a clock, like we'll make that work. One of the challenges we see all the time is how do you get calories on an assault bike to mean something in terms of meters on a concept two and the answer is you kind of don't <laughs> at least we don't have a big enough data set to say like this is what it is because there are different confounding variables so for like a like a concept two height is a huge predictor of success on the um the assault bike body weight is a much bigger predictor of success because weight on the rower you still have to move that mass back and forth on the bike you could weigh 400 pounds it doesn't matter bike's not going anywhere so it's it's hard to like relate those two because there are so many confounding variables we do see that as one improves the other tends to improve but that is probably explained by like time on task more than anything else so're we're, we we're, we're getting as far as we can but as you can see it's once you introduce multiple different training modalities it's easy enough to measure progress within one modality but crossover is a
2: a really tough problem to solve with any statistical power i was going back and forth with rob on the chat but When you're talking you're the engine, does your typical client go in and just dedicate it to row or are they mixing that up with a biker, sometimes maybe an echo, like what do you see?
0: There's two kinds of people and one kind does only one modality because they do it at home and that's what they have. Yeah. And the other kind does it in the gym and they maybe there's not a bike that's available that day, so they're going to row. Your heart and lungs really don't know the difference. Like, oh, I'm on a, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't know what you're doing. And during the COVID lockdowns, you know, a ton of people were like, hey, can I just, can I just run on this? Absolutely. So it turned into like, you know, a running program for half a year when all the gyms were closed and they started to reopen and people did more things. So I tell people like, do what you like to do, because otherwise you're going to get bored and you're going to quit. So like, if you have access to multiple different machines, like it's great to measure people's progress and track it across different modalities. But you guys all know the, the best predictor of success is showing up every day. And like, we could measure whatever you want, you know, blood pH in real time, put the, you know, the MRI on you every day. But the bottom line is like the athlete who shows up more is going to do better. You know, so I would tell people like, yeah, if you can be consistent, awesome, like the data is better if you're consistent. But if you're very consistent on the rowing machine, but you only show up two days a week, you know, I'm going to tell you results are going to be worse than the guy that shows up five days a week and changes it up every day. Who's going to have unusable data because there's so many different inputs? But they're going to have great fitness because when when we started Year of the Engine, it, well, when we really started, it was like stuff written by hand that I would text people. Once it kind of turned into a business, I was like, I make it a PDF, standardize it. But we didn't really do the data side until like a couple months ago, where we got real serious about it. So like prior to that, I was like, do what you you know either what you have or do what you like to do. Like whatever's going to keep you showing up to the gym. If you like to row on the long days and bike on the sprint days, do that you know, because that's, that's going to work for you. So in the beginning and, you know, even now it was about what's going to get athletes to show up. And if that leads to higher quality data, great. But like the data is less important than actually being there every day. So as a long answer to a yes or no question. Sorry.
1: (laughs) That was a good answer. And I have a, I have a harder question for you. Uh I think that this is going to be, I'm going to make you choose. Um, So if you're a listener out there and you're trying to, again, this is all about engine building and improving that aspect of your fitness mm-hmm. for you matt Webkey, you have to choose one tool be it running be it the skier be it the rower the concept to the assault bike you could throw anything else in there what's the most transferable to multiple modalities in terms of in terms of okay uh, so
0: if i were a crossfitter i would say probably rowing because you have the bilateral extension and the upper back stuff um, from the pull and some hip extension and also it's fairly low impact So one of the key considerations, if you're a crossfitter or multimodal athlete is like, you have to do a lot of stuff. So a lot of people will argue that like running is the best way to build your engine because you have to carry your body weight. That might be true, but if you also have to squat and deadlift and press and do cleans, running takes a lot out of you. And if you're not, you know, an experienced runner, it's hard on your joints. That hard on your joints wear and tear is going to beat you up pretty intensely when it comes time to lift now it, if you happen to be 5'10, 165 and you've been a runner your whole life hey god bless you but at that build you're not going to be that strong so you need to be in the squat rack more anyway you know but if you're 5'10, 195 that's a lot of pounding on your knees and ankles and hips when you run so so running awesome i have no beef with running but if you're a multimodal athlete running takes a lot out of you and so i think the rower is probably the way to go and also like you get the bilateral extension then you get a little pause so your breathing cadence sort of learns to adapt to like the harmonic motion of the rower which is the same pattern of like wall balls thrusters overhead squats toes to bar it's back and forth back and forth back and forth Whereas the bike, again, I love the bike. I spent half my life on the bike. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick the rower for those reasons.
3: So another reflection question now, a few years of the data with the year of the engine. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back and tweaked that that year at all? Or is that, that truck, just based on physiology that's tried so to So We have it tweaked
0: it a little bit, but the tweaking has been changing the, the balance. The key idea of the program is that different intensity levels target different muscle fiber types and you get a broad spectrum adaptation across all muscle fiber types. It's not just endless zone two, it's not just intervals, as fast as you can go. It's not just sprints. It's a balance of activity. So the sequence of the stimuli hasn't really changed because that's based on what muscle fibers react to and cellular processes. What we have tweaked is the balance of intensity within each of the phases. So like we added some more zone two time in the first phase, because when I, switch to a 2.0 version, and put all the numbers in a spreadsheet as, you know, we could add a little bit more. We didn't add 50% more. It was like 10% more. And then there's a second phase, which deals mostly with like slow Twitch stuff. We added a little bit more sprinting into that. Cause we had absolutely none. We realized we need a little more ultra high intensity to balance a lot of time spent in zone two. So we did make some tweaks, but they weren't wholesale changes. They were like, you know what? Like that could be a little bit more precise. So when we really looked at the numbers, we, we we changed it. But some people who went from 1.0 to 2.0 in the middle of the year are kind of like, hey, this version 2.0 is different. So, well, yeah, it's a little different, but we're talking like 15 minutes per week in zone two difference. Like it's not that different. We didn't tear it down and rebuild because the initial foundation was physiologically right. But this is kind of like, all right, this is what we need, but let's optimize, refine a little bit. And then If there's ever a 3.0, it's only going to be like making the technology better. We're not going to change anything else because we we got it right where it needs to be now.
2: What's your clientele look like that augment the year of the engine with applied power or dominate or whatever?
0: We have quite a few people who who come to us and go, you know, I've been on year of the engine for like six months.
4: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, And more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase, exclusively at drinkag1.com/proven grit. That's drinkag1.com/proven grit. Check it out.
3: Let me
0: try the applied power stuff. And so like any business, like, you know, you want to come in and try this, then you come back, you try that. And we get a lot who will migrate from the engine or the applied power to the dominant because they're like, hey, I'm typically what it is, is like, hey, I set up a home gym and I was doing, you're the engine in the box, but you know what? Like, I'm going to save a bunch of money. I got my wife to agree to put the gym in the garage. And since I'm not spending that 200 a month on CrossFit, I can spend half of that working with you. So we get pretty good upsells. You know, as a business owner, I want everybody to always buy more expensive stuff, right? That's the idea. It's like, Oh, 25 a month or 300 a month, you know, how do I upsell? <laughs> them? That's the business owner side of me. But the coach side of me is like, hey, like, what's the right program for you, where you are? If you're a home gym athlete, and you're not too worried about like, making a, you know, a semifinal or something, then like, the year, of the engine plus applied power is just basically strength and conditioning. You know, if you want to be strong and have a good engine, look good doing it, we get a lot of people that that's all they want. The ones who are a little more serious about CrossFit will migrate over to the Dominate side. And I'm going to do something else like in between the Dominate, which is just like an hour and 15 minutes a day of really good CrossFit. And like the coaching side, I want to put something in the middle that's like a very data centric coaching light kind of solution where, you know, we'll talk 15 minutes a week. Show me your numbers. Here's what it means. I'd right, see you next week. You know what I mean? Get something that's like not quite one-on-one coaching because that takes a lot of time. So you have to price it high and not quite like a throw a program over the fence and check in once a month you know, that's great wanna- so let's
2: talk yeah. about that because like i do hard work pays off uh, the fraser program and <laughs> i there's a lot of people bitching about the community is very hard he, he just changed apps but there's a lot of difficulty where like people don't know how to gauge themselves there's no leaderboard so when you're doing yeah. that dominate piece and you're coming in and checking in is it more personalized to them or are they, is there a community type field to this where people can see where so they- So
0: I don't know if I should say this in public, but I'm just going to go with it. You get as much coaching as you ask for. So I have some athletes that will message me like all the time. And I, this is what I like to do. So you want to ask me 50 fitness questions, I'll give you 50 fitness answers. But and some athletes who check in like every three weeks, like, hey, just want, to, just want to confirm everything's good. Like, okay, yeah, you know, that's fine. And I, I learned this as a competitor when I, I didn't exactly have a coach, but the guy who owned the gym I trained at was like, a coach by default because I was in there like five hours a day and so was he and we got to the point where he would program something for me and I'd kind of be like let's do that and by the end of the day the feedback was like were the weights heavy yes are you tired yes that's a good training day we didn't need to talk about like how many double unders I did or what my time in the metcon was like did you go hard are you tired was it heavy yes so balancing that feedback between like hey let's check in every three months and let's check in every three hours it's kind of what I'm trying to do with the data-centric program. And the idea with the data, I'm trying to keep it simple. So it's like, choose from a drop-down menu after you lift, like, how intense was it? Just need to know, was it like one barely hard at all? Or like five out of five, I needed somebody to carry me up the stairs. And just look at those numbers over time. And go, Okay, you're hitting five every time. Like, these weights are too heavy. Or like, you're hitting one or two every time. It's too light. So next week, let's add 10 pounds to everything. Let me know how it goes. See you next week. Like, I kind of want to be in that sweet spot because if you're a coach like I am or, you know, athlete like you guys are and coach too, these conversations can go forever. Like, if you texted me and said, I want to talk till 4 a.m. We're going to rotate out every 15 minutes. I could do it because I just, I can talk about this stuff all day. So I'm trying to like bracket my own proclivities to just talk forever and also give my athletes some sort of balanced feedback to actually look at it and go, yeah, that actually did make sense. I'm going to do that and come back to you. So I'm trying to like, provide value while also like boxing in my own worst impulses to talk forever
1: just for simplicity's sake you can kind of drive yourself nuts and i think that the people who are you know maybe just on training on their own think about what zone they're in and what their heart rate is and, yeah. and kind of where they sit for you i love the rpe scale rating of perceived exertion you just go yeah. zero to 10 give us a great rule of thumb low steady state cardio kind of that typical zone one zone two What's a good RPE? And then as far as the anaerobic side, the glycolytic side, the highest level, what's a good RPE to, to shoot for so with those types of workouts? The, um, some
0: people will message me like, hey, should I use the heart rate monitor? It's like, well, if you have it, yes. But like people ran four minute miles with no heart rate monitors, you know, like people have done great things in athletics without this technology. So I usually tell people like for the endurance days, like between six and seven out of 10, you know, like. If someone comes in next to you and sits on the bike next to you, you can talk to them, like maybe not for 30 minutes, but you can have a little conversation with them, you know, chat for a little bit. What's going on? Okay. That's three minutes. I got to go. Whereas at the high end on the glycolytic side, like it's near max effort because the goal is to increase top end power. So the only way you're going to get top end power is like to push yourself for top end power. We actually started using a scale of like, you're in the gym what do you see? So if you're on the zone one, zone two, you see everything, you talk to everybody. If you're on like a threshold day, you recognize who's in there. You don't really talk to them, but you, you know, oh yeah, that that's Steve, you know, that's the pretty girl I'm trying to flirt with. That's so-and-so. Oh, I know where I am. I got to go back to work. If it's an anaerobic day, you don't even really recognize your surroundings, like the people. You know you're in the gym, but you don't know who's coming and going because you're focused on doing that activity because it's near Max effort. Then on the intervals, is like you're kind of aware you're in the gym and on the breaks, you know where you are. So we did that. So it's really like a like a 6 out of 10 on the low end to a like 9.5 out of 10 on the high end. And then the speed threshold days are probably about an 8, 8.5. You want to go fast, but you never want to like lose your grip on reality because you have to pace it and stay consistent. So that's about how we do it. Like 6 to 10, 6 to, six
2: to 9.5. I love the idea of judging it by – how yeah Like how How alert you are it's so true the last (laughs) time you were dying in a workout like you know if i'm doing some some light barbell work i'm looking around where my dogs where my kids if i'm if i'm dying with it overhead it's coming down someone (laughs)
0: like
2: i know where i am but i don't really know much else yeah it's fantastic
3: that's it One more piece to bring on to the data side, because when you're talking about using RPE, it kind of sounded like Tim Gabbitt talking about like arbitrary units. Are you looking at acute to chronic workload ratio at all with your your data side? Is that something you're going to be tracking in the future? We
0: did a thing that we tentatively called a fatigue score, and that's a really aspirational name for it, where we would multiply the perceived exertion times, I think it was times the number of reps in the I forgot exactly how we did off the top of my head, but it was like the... Perceived exertion times the number of reps in the set, and we would add that. And then monthly, you'd get a fatigue score. And it was really like the ceiling of that was if every set was max effort, five out of five RPE, that's like the ceiling of the, the, the fatigue score for that month. Like, let's say that was like 4,000. We would want our athletes to be like in that seven to eight. So, like, 2,800 to 3,200 was like what we'd look for. So, we'd look back like month over month. Okay, you were a 3,500 that month. Like, why? And then, and then more importantly, like, did we look back chronic versus acute, not really what we tried to do, or still trying to do, this is like every 12 weeks, we have a test week. So if you're at that, like, nine out of 10 every time, but your back squat goes up 60 pounds in three months, maybe that's good. We always try to stay focused on like, what are we measuring? And then what fitness parameters are getting better? Likewise, if you're at nine out of 10 every time, and the 4,000 is the ceiling, and you're at 3,800, and your squat went up five pounds... That was bad training. You might need your money back. You know what I mean? Like, we, like either you misinterpreted it or we didn't give you good instructions, but like A didn't connect to B and your gains didn't go up. So we do have the capacity to look at the acute versus the chronic, but that presumes that the fatigue score is super, super valid. And as this gets older and we have more test weeks in there I'll at least know like what's the correlation between your fatigue score and your gains. It's not a bad place to start. Like I said, I can't measure fatigue with one number, but it does give us some clarity into um, how much effort you're exerting and what happens in test week. I know there's there's 10 million other uh, variables. What did you eat? How did you sleep? What was festive? You know, but like, can never really get to all that, right? So like, that's as close as we've gotten so far as the fatigue scoring.
1: I thought it'd be cool. Rob, would you mind sharing with Matt? I don't know if you've talked to him about this, but the uh, uptick in your weight since you did the year of the engine, you kind of had some some interesting hypotheses as to why you, you gained weight maybe after doing year of the engine and then going back into some lifting and see if any of his other clients had uh, had that happen. Yeah. So
3: my body weight, I've hovered between like 208 to my whole life. And then I did the year of the engine. Big focus there was that my endurance did not match up to my performance on like the higher intensity workouts. So I, I think my aerobic fitness got a lot better and talking yeah. with my colleagues at school, she's um, doing a study. Now it's, it's in sarcopenic patients, which is obviously hopefully isn't me, but um, right. doing a crossover trial where subjects do aerobic training first and then resistance training or resistance training and then aerobic training sure. hypothesis sure. being sure. you do aerobic first, improve your capillarization or your distal mm-hmm. vascularity, and you're going to get better mm-hmm. strength gain. So as soon as I went back to lifting, I mean, my numbers have gone up slightly, but I've put on 15 pounds of lean tissue. I mean, that's, that's confirmed by DEXA just like wow, that's within awesome. a year of finishing up year of yeah. the engine. So I was I'm, like, just one perspective of what could have led to that. That was kind of my, my thought.
0: That's a pretty cool study. And like, just off the top of my head, if you're going to do the aerobic first, I guess it would depend like how intense the training is, you know, because you are definitely going to get the increased capillarization from year of the engine. It's not magic. Like most training will do that for you. If it's a decent, you know, aerobic program. That's something that your body's going to do. I've heard of that happening in the past, but most of the people that do it are also doing so much other training at the same time that it's hard to say, like, it's because you did the engine, you know, it's like most of the feedback we get revolves around like, are your Metcon scores improving? Did you improve in the open? Did you qualify for the competition you're trying to qualify for? But I think like, it's a hypothesis worth exploring. I don't, in the study that you're talking about, I know there's, you said it's like muscle wasting patients. So it's, it's maybe not the CrossFit population, but like. Are they trying to show a difference in, in like lean body mass gains based on the timing of the workouts or is there some other hypothesis?
3: Yeah, exactly. The hypothesis being doing the aerobic training first is going to set the framework to better adapt to strength training. Oh, got it.
0: Got it. I think it probably does, but you know, we always tell people like, if you're going to do the aerobic training first, take the intensity down a little bit because the less intense stuff is going to burn more fat and less glycogen in the faster twitch fibers because you're not going to recruit them because you're going slow. And so we tell people, like, if you have to pick which, which one to do first, do the strength first, because you need near max intensity for strength gains. Whereas if, like, you do the engine and you're 10% off on an endurance day, does it really matter? Like, unless you want to be, like, a high-level endurance athlete, probably not. You know, if you usually roll, like, a 202, 500 pace when you row for 40 minutes, but you're rowing 206, is it going to, like, sidetrack your classic gains? Like, almost certainly not. But if you do the rowing first and you row a little faster, but now you're gassed for the strength stuff, that's going to do more harm than good. So have I heard of that happening? Yes. But again, a lot of people come to us when they're already like pretty well-developed strength athletes. So it's hard to say, like, was it the year of the engine that helped with increased blood supply? Or like, did they finally break a plateau that they've been trying to break, break for three months? I wish I could answer that and say, yes, it's always year of the engine, like gain lean body mass, train with us. But I I can't, unfortunately, can't support those claims. As You heard it here first.
1: Gainley, body mass, Um, you're the engine. 100% irrefutable fact. (laughs) That's
2: it. That's it. Write it down. Book it. How's your team grown or has it grown or stayed the same since we last spoke? I added a full-time employee. He does a lot of the
0: one-on-one coaching stuff. Um, He's out in Colorado Springs. I'm actually going out there in a little bit. We're going to host an athlete camp. Go back to the days of like, Outlaw. Right. What was that guy's name? Rudy. He used to do these camps up in New York. You get like 80 people to show up. This won't be anything like that. This is like eight people who are already gangs Lab athletes. They're going to come out to Colorado Springs and, and we're going to try to do a mix of like training and like an academic slash uh, lecture thing. So it's not all like, hey, let's come out and try to PR your power clean. Like, you know what your power, like you know what it is. You don't need Matt and Paul and Zach to, to, to tell you how to power clean. You don't have to PR today. It takes a lot out of you to PR. Let's do some training. Let's learn about some parameters and figure out what your training looks like over the next six months. So if that's a success or if we learn from it, we're going to try to do that twice a year. It takes a lot of time. And like, if you're going to have people come to see you, I'm sure you guys are the same way. You can't fuck it up. Like you can't deliver like a turd experience when people are buying plane tickets. So I'm I'm going to put a lot of effort into getting that right. And as such, I only want to do it like twice a year. I don't want to like ever have people leave and be like, man, I had a bad time. I spent a lot of money to get to Colorado Springs or Florida and I had a bad time. No, no, it's never, it's going to be, you're going to get a lot out of it. So we're going to try to keep that small at first, but that could be something we expand into. And I was thinking of doing something like a, I started to do this, like a, a podcast series where I would take a, take a scientific paper. That's interesting for fitness athletes and try to like break it down into somewhat less scientific language so that people can kind of grow their knowledge just by, you know, by by listening to the podcast, but that's a huge time commitment as well. So I, I got to pick my battles because again, I don't want to put something out there. That's like that guy talked for 20 minutes and I don't know what the fuck he's talking about.
1: I had some so, thoughts to do that with this podcast, but it slowly devolved into just talking about ourselves <laughs> and, 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 and basic, just general nonsense. We talk about fucking TV shows. So it's, it's, it it's man. people watch a lot of TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's devolved quickly. It's
2: hard. Like you said, man, I mean, to go deep and then to be able to take an esoteric type, conversation and make it 20 minutes easily consumable by the layman yeah. god damn like that's a that's a lot of homework to it's especially just, if you want mean. to pump it out like we had started to do it it's exactly that like if you tell
0: people you can do it weekly and then you get into a topic that's really cool and it's like a 12 page paper it could take days to do that right and then oh by the way there's people who pay me every month to coach them so i should probably focus on that focus on the customers you have not the ones you want you know so like it's it's still work in progress i'm not going to say it's never going to happen but i think i might have to do it like
2: in the back office for a year and then like roll it out when it's ready yeah. instead of saying, oh, so it's coming because i do that at, at work basically we just we, yeah. we go deep into a subject and then we just let them go and we you know they look weekly but even yeah. if you did even if you did it monthly and you gave 12 a right. year and you went deep and you you know it's on your catalog it's on your website yeah it's more value that other people aren't producing oh, yeah. right it's something I think about because, because I read a lot
0: of that stuff anyway. So it's like, Hey, you might as well like improve your business, you know, this way, but we'll see. It's it's something I'm trying to work on, but, uh, all
2: right. Well, man, we, uh, we appreciate it. It's it's nine o'clock on Sunday. So I'm sure you're getting back to, to watching the the madness. Yeah. But, uh, one more time. How can people find you? Go to the website,
0: thegainslab.com or go to uh, Instagram, thegainslab1, the number one, the gainslab the number one.
2: Thanks as always, man. Great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate Uh, it. it, Hope you guys enjoyed that. Now time for a new segment I've been thinking about. Uh, I don't have anything to talk about smokes. We'll talk about your meat here in a minute, but I was just kind of perusing today uh, the store and I was wondering, are you guys particularly brand biased on anything? I think this really lets you know who a person is, if they are like, I only smoke Marble Reds, I only drink Bud Heavies, I only drive Silverados, obviously being a bit bit hyperbolic here, but are there any particular brands that you will pay more or go out of your way to purchase because you just love them so much? I'm going to say for you, it's probably Lulu, Rob, but don't let me speak for you.
3: So we're going across the board.
2: Anything. I, I don't know this about you, so I need to.
3: Yeah, there's very few things that it's like, you, know, you, you get what you pay for. is definitely one because I've ripped shorts and I'll bring them in the store and they'll replace them, no questions asked. So that automatically qualifies you for, for paying some extra money. Patagonia, same deal. I got a, a bag I use every day for work. Dogs rip the zipper off of it. I send it in, they fix it for five bucks. Like, those are two right off the bat that are absolutely worth the extra money.
2: How about more commoditized goods, like... I guess you would probably say Topo Chico, but I'm saying, like, is there a particular, if you're going to get a light beer, you're getting this light beer every single time because that's your baby since, you know, nostalgia, 18-year-old Rob.
3: Nothing on the beverage side I can think of.
2: Dan, Those anything just- that defines you,
1: brand-wise? Man, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty all over the map. Coffee. What about, uh, what about Kia? I was going to say cars. Yeah, Kia. I, I, the cars I've had in my life have been a Chevy and a Nissan and a Jeep. Most recently. So, yeah, I mean, no, real. I, I really can't think of anything too crazy. I guess from the fitness side, I'm always going rogue just because of the, the customer service. You know, anything you get from there, they're going to try to do the best. Like, I had um an issue with my Echo bike and they, you know, they were like, oh, well, you can take a hundred dollar credit or we can send you the, the parts. So I was like, super easy, you know, and I feel like they have everything I need and their clothes, like even just the shirts and everything fit perfectly and are high quality. So, I'll say rogue fitness for like, the fitness side of things is a pretty, uh, pretty layup answer. I'm trying to think of anything else on it. Nothing really comes to mind. I guess, Will you drive by a Dunkin' to go to a Starbucks? Yes. There's nothing at Dunkin' I like. Like, there is not, like, I guess I'll get, like, if I'm stuck and there's nothing else, my wife likes Dunkin' coffee, I'll get just a small black cold brew just to kind of wake me up. But, yeah, there's nothing really at Dunkin' that gets me excited at all.
3: I feel like you were a brand ambassador for Chubby's for quite a bit. Are you still pretty loyal to Chubby's? Chubby's.
1: Yeah. Fuck yeah! in the summer. Yeah. Give me those, give me those five inch, uh, inseams. Yeah. I love Chubbies. <laughs> Hashtag brand ambassador. Yeah. Chubbies on the short side.
3: All right, Nick, you You're were thinking agnostic. about this all week. I, I can't wait to hear what your brands no, are. I
1: got Natty Light.
2: Well, Natty Light's my baby. Absolutely. That, I mean, that is the one that if I had to like just drink one beer for the rest of my life, it's definitely natural light. Before it was fucking cool, by the way, I've been doing this shit since I was 16. You know, now, like, it's cool to say that you drink Natty Light as an adult. It's like, really? (laughs) We were fucking, we were called poor people our whole lives for drinking it. Your dad always
1: had a stock fucking fridge of Natty Light.
2: Always. Since day one. Since absolute day one. It's hilarious. In my baby pictures, there's Natty Lights all over the place. No, I don't don't have anything. And that's what I was thinking about. As I was uh, driving to Aldi's, we do go to Aldi every (laughs) week. So I think Aldi (laughs) is the one. Right. It's like my, my whole family, or my, my, my wife and I, we, we only shop at Aldi now. So I guess that's our loyalty. But other than that, I'm pretty agnostic. But I was hoping that if I threw that on you guys, there'd be something that I didn't know that you'd say, oh, yeah, this is what I have to be. But again, unless you have a nasty habit, I feel like cigarettes is the big one. Like everyone yeah. loves their cigarette. And there's typically people that love an automobile. I'm not that guy. I didn't think you two were, but I didn't know.
1: I'm trying to think now harder, and I'm I'm going back to like hobbies, like guitar. Like I love yeah. my Fender. I've, so I love my Fender. I've had it forever. But if you gave me like a nice Ibanez, or if you gave me like you know the EVH series, or you know something fucking weird, I'm I'm I'll throw that Fender in the fucking trash if it's better. You know, like I just like whatever is in my range that I could like. And again, guitar, you're looking at the tone too and everything. So you could have. I mean, people have whole guitar collections because each guitar is going to produce a different tone so well there's uh, there's other things that i thought of apple Dude, my apple computer is, is way better than this piece of shit so i got a new computer my apple one died i've had it for like 10 years and that thing was a beast and this one's like all right it's fine but yeah the apple computer is pretty dope but
2: like an iphone i would never get a green texting phone ever like, fuck that. Ruin the group threads? No chance in this world. So, like, I feel like if I'm going a consumer brand, you know, Apple iPhone's the one. There's a lot of people with that, with the Apple EarPods. They say those are the best. But, you know, as usual with these segments, it's just about us talking about ourselves. You know, that's what we're here to do. Truly really the gut. Rob, tell us about that big-ass piece of meat. And, Dan, you should put it on Instagram because it's a glorious-looking piece.
3: The grocery know. store that failed me this weekend – but the grocery carts had a great deal on standing rib roasts. Mm. I think that that was like a five pounder. It was like 35 bucks. Usually those things are costing you like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I I put that thing on there, did a nice dry rub on it, 400 degrees for like 30 minutes and then knocked it down to 300. till it was one twenty in the dead center and pulled it, let it rest for 30. And I just cut the whole rib rack right off and just ate that for dinner. I didn't even touch Uh. the meat. I just, I just ate the ribs. It's, it's so flavorful. There's, there's no meat like it, dude. Nothing. Nothing. I've never been to a steakhouse and had a better steak than I just had. Tonight. It's never happened.
2: Nope. You got to do it. If you've never done it and you just have a conventional oven, there's so many YouTube videos on how to do it, get it perfectly medium rare. Just do it for Easter and blow everyone's minds. It is fucking worth it. Got to make sure you choose the right meat, though. Sounds like you got it from Sprouts. I didn't even know they sold them. never been to a Sprouts. It's good. Dan, tell us, we've been on the edge of our seat, bro.
1: What have you been, what have you been streaming? So everyone's been talking about Ted Lasso. So my thing with Apple TV is I have fucking every streaming service, no demand. And the one I don't have is Apple TV. And it's not even expensive, like five bucks a month, but I'm like taking a stand. I'm like, I will not get this fucking thing because I already have too much. And it was like, there's like a free promo weekend. So I started Ted Lasso. I guess I like it. So it's about a American football coach who goes to, England to coach a Premier League team, the owners trying to sabotage oh, a little bit of the major league vibes with owners trying to sabotage um the situation by hiring this, this kind of numbskull. But he su- turns out to be super likable and it's almost like over-the-top likability. It's pretty wholesome. Like I, I was, I don't know, with Jason Sudeikis, I was expecting more of like, I don't know, I, I don't know why I was thinking about like toilet humor and like totally ridiculous, but it's actually like a pretty family-friendly show, super like uplifting and nice and, and positive at times. So It's a good show, but I'm only like three or four episodes in, but definitely worth checking out.
3: I was really hoping you would say that show sucks because I've heard way too many people tell me about that show. And I've heard the premise so many times that I I don't need to watch it anymore.
2: I was really hopeful. You're like, it fucking sucks. And I hate they're trying to make me
3: feel happy. I I really wanted that Dan hot take. I really wanted that.
2: Everyone says it's wholesome and it's the happy, funny. It's like, oh,
1: fuck that it's very much that which i'm okay with and I, I love jason sudeikis so like and the cast is pretty awesome but yeah it's definitely a different vibe i, I just like because they did these little commercials for the Premier league it was based on the commercials they were doing for Premier league and the commercials were actually funnier than the actual show like the show is like i'm like this is super nice and happy but it's like tough for me to like really dive into as much of Like,
3: we just redo that can you just go bad on it it fucking real sucks real to, you know,
1: like, <laughs> fuck it that show.
2: watch one episode of that then one episode of the righteous gemstones it'll be a perfect delicate balance there you go
1: i did finish righteous gemstones season two and spoiler alert the, first of all uncle baby billy just anytime i see the word baby i gotta throw uncle and billy Like you said, you sent baby broccoli over. I said, Uncle Baby Billy Broccoli. Like, I I can't hear anything involving babies without throwing that in there. But speaking of babies, the the porta potty baby delivery scene is one of the fucking most ludicrous things I've ever seen in my life and and gets a 10 out
2: of 10. It's a porta potty baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolute gem. Yeah. Uncle Uh, Baby Billy's the goat of that show.
2: So good. God, he's good. I
1: love it. I love it so much. All right. Any hitters
2: this week, guys?
3: I don't think I've had a hitter all year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. over for, for the year. You know, Nick, you're right. Fucking music sucks. I try to find new music, it is goddamn awful. And I had like a gym playlist I was throwing on and going to go with the old one, uh, The Hand that Feeds by Nine Inch Nails. I think that's just a pretty solid gym song. Got me through that uh, Man United run and pretty universal on that. Yeah, that's a good one. Look, not
2: only does there's no good music new anymore, but Spotify just plays the same fucking music over and over again. It's driving me insane. Any of my like daily lists that it creates for me or whatever, it's all the same songs over and over again. How am I supposed to learn? Anyway, I went back to the well, an old Kanye album, Life of Pablo. This is just a public service announcement. That album's really good. I've written Kanye off after graduation, basically, or I guess my beautiful, dark, twisted nightmare. But the whole album of The Life of Pablo is really good. I'll put up part two, PT, decimal two, as uh, as a hitter. Fast-paced, future's in it. I like it.
1: You'll like it. Good hype. You know what? That, that gives me to another rant about Spotify, and you're exactly right on that. Because when you listen to an album, like, what was the Taking Back Sunday album like? I always think the deep cuts, if you're a real fan of the artist, the deep cuts are the best songs, right? So right. if you're li- like, if you listen listening to Taking Back Sunday, that Timberwolves of New Jersey song, that's a yeah. fucking heater, but it's not like Decade Under the Influence, which is the, the, right. the song everyone knows. So Spotify makes place, it'll always throw Decade of the, Under the Influence, right? But if you really listen to a band, there's four or five tracks in the album that are usually better than the single. And people just can't fucking figure it out. Like throw those deep cuts into like a part two on Kanye. I've never heard that song. I'm excited to listen to it. Cause that sounds like a deep cut. I've never dove into that album, throw that part two on your list. It's only going to benefit the artist and it's going to benefit us. Cause I'm not hearing the same fucking song every time.
2: I know they make you do the homework and it's fine to do that. Like uh Mo Lauda, that song curse the weather. I listened to that. I'd never heard it. And then I went and I listened to all of their stuff and I absolutely loved it. But oftentimes I'm hearing the main you know the headlining rick ross song and i'm like i'm not gonna go to rick ross's albums i know all of rick ross like this is the same song i heard from 2013 why why do they keep putting this on my fucking like have a little creativity spotify i know you have an algorithm that you're dumping millions of dollars into there's got to be something that you stop giving me the same 25 songs if you're going to play 50 over the course of you know two hours
1: brutal and this gets me to one of my favorite takes of all time is Adam Carolla. I used to listen to his podcast, not so much anymore. It's gotten pretty stale. But back in the day when podcasts first started, you, know, you had Bill Simmons, you had Joe Rogan, you had Adam Carolla. Those were kind of the big three. And Carolla used to say, which I wholeheartedly agree with, at a certain point, we should retire songs, like the song American Pie by Don McLean. Nobody, never, nobody ever needs to hear that song again. It's so out. Nope. So 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 like you should just like, if it's been played, we're getting rid of that song. It's just done. What do you think that is? Do you think that's like a trillion plays? Probably never going to
2: get to a trillion. Um, who know? You know, that's a good question. Like what number? That's the question that I need answered. Cumulative on streaming services, because there are billions of plays on some
1: yeah. of these, you know. What number should we have to get to before we retire it? Yeah, it's just done. Yeah, like yeah. you can buy an album <laughs> still. Or, you can or listen it, to it on a physical record or CD, right. but we, we, we're done with streaming. It's done. It's not on the radio anymore. I'm done with it's the not, radio.
2: And I think honestly, it'd be pretty cool because they'd be fighting over the last rights on like the radio and the streaming services. It's like, oh shit, the Beatles, hey jude's got three more public yeah, yeah, listens. Yeah. yeah and they'd like, be like oh not- fuck, I gotta dial into Alaska's. They they got one of the three. I don't know how they'd regulate it, but I think we're on to something here. Absolutely fantastic, Dan.
1: Yeah, that's not my take. I, it's it's too genius of a take to be mine, but I'll fucking <laughs> you can edit it out the Adam Carolla part and I'll take credit for it.
2: Awesome. Well, good stuff. I know we have some guests lined up coming up, boys, as usual. Have a good week. Later. Later.